Jesus. We're here to soak up Jesus. Do you guys understand that? If you can just soak up Jesus, your life could be so much better. It's like when you watch perfection. If it is like you're watching a great basketball game, don't you sometimes want to go out and play some hoops, shoot some hoops? If you're watching a great soccer game, you go, oh, let's go out and play. If you, watch, if you watch So You Think You Can Dance, sometimes you feel like maybe I can dance. Maybe not. You watch The Voice, you, maybe I can sing. <laughs> you look at Jesus, you go, man, maybe I can love. Maybe I can forgive. Maybe I could be pure and holy and righteous and caring and bold. And so what, it's great to just soak up Jesus. And if we can get just a measure of his spirit, our lives will change. Now, Jesus' essence is the truth. I want you to see, this is what even Jesus' enemies thought of him. You want to see this? Matthew chapter 22. Let's take a look. There you go. Matthew 22, verse 15. Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. Doesn't it sound, wahaha? Twirly mustaches the Pharisees had. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. This is what they thought of Jesus. They were the enemies. And they say, hey, we know you teach the truth. We know you're not swayed. We know that you have integrity. This is how people saw Jesus. Don't you like to have friends like that? Don't you want to go into business with people like that? Don't you hate it when you are, let's say, trying to get work done on your house and contractor after contract comes and you wonder, they all say they're going to do a good job, don't they? When you go to the bank or when you go shop, people who want to sell you something all seem like they're going to do a good job. But don't you want to know who has integrity, who has truth? Jesus is truth. Turn to John chapter 1. And we have a lot of scriptures today. So many scriptures. I don't know how many stories I can give you because we're just going to kind of go look at the Bible about truth. Does that sound all right with you? John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus was. They say, hey, Jesus was full of grace and truth. We talked last week about grace. Today we're going to talk about truth. And when we think about Jesus, he was filled with truth. Even his enemies knew him as just truth. So much so. It says in verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. So this is it. Grace and truth even comes through Jesus. Our sense of what is true actually comes through Jesus. He is the source of what we, what we know is true. You go, well, how is that? 
Turn to John 14. Actually, let's go to John 18 first. Now, I want you to understand, we're going to cover mostly the, the bulk of what we're going to talk about is from John's writing, the Apostle John. When I researched truth, over 40% of the relevant scriptures about Jesus and the truth come from John's writings, over 40%. So we always think of John as the apostle of love, don't we? But guess what? He wrote a lot about truth. A lot of when he saw Jesus, he saw truth. And we're going to talk about how truth and love are connected today. But look at John 18. Because when I say truth, a lot of times we think like other people might. Turn to John 18, verse 36. In John 18, verse 36. And while you are going there, some of you are turning there, some of you are whatever that you do it there. You know, what do they say if you're... Scrolling there. Scrolling there. There you go. It sounds a little biblical, right? Like a scroll. <laughs> See, that's why they said in the first century, scroll, if you will. To John chapter 18, it just means something different for, for us today. Um, but one of the things I want you to understand, as you're navigating, because we're going to go back and forth today, we're going to look at the book of John, which is in the Gospels, and then we're going to look at the epistles of John, which is towards the end of the Bible, just before Revelation, Not, you know, just right around where Revelation is. If you go a few pages beforehand, we'll be jumping back and forth from those two books. Do you guys get that? So while there's John, and then there's 1 John, okay? And so we're going to go back and forth, just so you know. John 18. John 18, verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of of truth listens to me. Once again, we're going to talk about this. If you're on the side of truth, you're going to want to listen to Jesus. Well, there are so many people on this planet who don't want to listen to Jesus. Have you encountered a few? Maybe just more than one, a couple, right? But if you're on the side of truth, you will listen to Jesus. If you just open up your brain and your heart, if you decide, just kind of let me doubt myself a little bit and let me trust God a little bit, you're going to end up really understanding the truth because Jesus and truth are on the same side. But here's the question we hear so often. Verse 38. What is truth? Reported, retorted Pilate. What is truth? When I say truth, a lot of times they go, yeah, but... <laughs> In this day and age, if you want to stand for anything, that makes you a target. In this day and age, to have an opinion makes you a target. It was interesting. We were, uh, I was watching this video. It was a guy who went on to the University of Washington campus and just asked people, hey, if I said I was a woman, would you accept that? It was a man. And like, well, if that's what you believe, I guess you're a woman. What if I said I was 12 years old? Well, um, I guess that's, a, you know, I don't want to judge you. You know, In this day and age, right? What if I said I was a tree? Well, if that, well, you know, I, you know, they were just asking person after person, and many of the students, so much trying to be open-minded, was almost we're, we're denying the truth. And sometimes we've gotten to this point. Well, what is truth? John fourteen. 
John 14, in verse 6, Jesus answered. John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. Not only is Jesus full of truth, not only is Jesus known for the truth, not only if you want to know truth, you have to be on Jesus' side. Not only does truth come to us through Jesus, the reason why, because he says, I am the truth. That's a big claim. I am the truth. That's an intense statement. Absolute statements really force you to think. If not, disagree. If I told you I'm the best basketball player on earth, I am. If I told you, you know how hard it is to be so good looking? I just never know who's my real friend because I'm the most handsome man on the planet. Because when they come and talk to me, I go, why are you talking to me? Is it because I'm so good looking? Why are you laughing? It's a good example, isn't it? Interesting, right? Well, when, when someone says, this is the truth, you have to make a decision about them. Are they lying? Are they crazy? Or are they telling the truth? Obviously, you know, I'm, I don't lie, so anyways. So, but you go, wow, Jesus says he is the truth. Why is that? Why is he the truth? Why does truth come through him? Let's go on. These are some claims. Verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you, know, you do know him and have seen him. He says, I am God in the flesh. You know God through me. Big claims. Big claims. How is Jesus the truth? This is why I love Christianity. I did not grow up as a Christian, just so you know. As a matter of fact, I've told you before, I looked down at anyone who was a Christian. I thought they were overly religious, almost like superstitious. I always thought of them as kind of primitive people. Oh, those primitive Christian people holding on to, you know, those are the ones who like burned witches at Salem. Those are Christians. That's how I used to think of Christians. People who were like, good luck, you know, they, they believed in Jesus to hope for good luck. But then it says, Jesus is the truth. You go, how do we know that? I said we're going to go through John. We're going to mostly park in John, but let's take a look at Acts chapter 17. Why is Jesus the truth? Let's get Acts chapter 17. We're going to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 31. So for those of you who want to teach in the future and get up here and be hip, notice I, I'm trying to, go, try to get myself to say, go to Acts chapter 17 and let's look at, because you don't turn there anymore. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Let's look at and read Acts chapter 17, verse 31. For he has set a day when we, he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. How was Jesus the truth? How do you know Buddhism is true? How do you know Judaism is true? How do you know that Islam is true? You know what? You don't. There's no proof. There's no proof. 
There's not one ounce of proof. You literally have to just go, well, I, I think it's true. It's kind of true. You go, we know the Old Testament is true. You go, how do you know the Old Testament is true? Because God proved himself by resurrecting from Jesus from the dead. And there were many eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Jesus says, I am the truth because I prove. The Old Testament is right. I prove. What I'm saying is true. I prove who even God is. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Because see, I'm God in the flesh, Jesus says. You can know what is true through me. Because I will prove what I'm saying is true by resurrecting. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. You know, he says God did everything. He just set everything up. He set the circumstances of your life right now, right here. You are, you are in this fellowship. You are encountering these people. You've decided to walk in for a reason because God set you up for this moment. Well, I don't know if that's true. How do we know that's true? Well, Jesus proved it. These are the things. Jesus says this is who God is. This is not karma working. This isn't chance. This isn't a scientific equation. This is God's hand bringing you to this moment. You go, well, why does God do this? In verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made of human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And then it goes on. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. You see, what is the truth? Jesus is the truth because he proves everything. But what does he prove? God set everything up. What else? Why did God set everything up? Because we are his offspring. God loves us like a father to his kids. He's trying to set things up for us so that we can have a great inheritance. And he says he did everything just so that we would seek after him. You know, uh, we celebrated my sister's birthday yesterday every every you know I'll, I'll tell you stories i go back and visit my parents because my parents just live about 15 20 minutes north of here right so you know it, it's it's always fun to be with family at first i was a little grumpy about it. i was grumpy yesterday it was hot i don't have air conditioning you know how it works when when it's hot you don't have air conditioning i was just like i don't want to go anywhere that's what i was doing with my family as we're driving setting a great example for my kids i was just grumpy irritable sadness so then we we get there we hang out it's so great but you know what i realized my parents love for all the family to be together they love to just see everyone there and i realized that too because as we're driving back it was my wife and i and my kids and we're sitting in the back and we, we're laughing about something we're just driving laughing it's so great to be in the car together laughing because when you're a parent you just want all the kids to be together having a great time that's God. How do I know? Jesus is the truth. 
He proves it by the resurrection. This is what Acts 17 says. We have a God who loves us as if we were his very own kids because we are. And he wants us to come after him because that's what loving parents do. And it says, how do we know this? Because Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's why Jesus is the truth. That sound good? Well, what else is there? How else is Jesus the truth? Turn to John 17. Oh, I said turn to. Go to John 17. See? Not as hip as I think. Yep, I'll get it. Go to John 17. Scroll there with me, ancient ones. John 17. John 17, verse 17. Jesus just prays. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the what? Truth. If you haven't gotten this by now, most of the scriptures in in this study are going to have the word truth in them. But here it is. The word is the truth. But guess what? In John chapter 1, we read, Jesus is the word. The word is the truth, and Jesus is the word. That's how Jesus is the truth. Did you know God's word is the truth? That's it. God's word is the truth. How many times do you debate it? How many times when God says, hey, seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be given to you as well? Do you go, oh, that's the truth? Or do you go, well, I'm not sure. What does kingdom mean? Da, 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 da. What is truth? I'm not sure. What does first mean? What does kingdom mean? What does first mean? What does seek mean? And what are all these things? And I don't know if I have all these things. No, it's the truth. God says, anything you give up for me, you will receive a hundred times as much. Well, I don't know. It's been, it's been six months. It's been one year. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. I don't see a hundred times as much. I see maybe 10% on my return. No, it's the truth. Do you believe it? Do you see it? It's so important for us to go, wow, the word is the truth. I'm going to anchor myself. Every moment you, you go on the Internet, there are a million opinions on the Internet. You go to work, there are a million opinions at work. You go to school, there are a million opinions there. You talk to one person, and they'll have an opinion today, and the next day they'll have a different opinion. Have you ever dealt with that? You go, I work under that, right? That's how you feel sometimes. But God says, no, my word is the truth. Why is truth so important? Because it gives you a starting point for life. Why else is truth so important? Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31. You see, the, the, the title of our series, right, Soak Up the Sun, Five Qualities of Jesus That Will Change Your Life. I'm not sure if these are changing your life yet. So now it's time to get to the life changing. See, one way it will change your life is just the word is the truth. If it says it, then anchor yourself on it. If I told you today there is $5 million hidden in this room, there are $5 million hidden in this room, and, and if you don't find it within two hours, you don't get it. What would you do to this room? You would, wouldn't you? 
you would tear this place apart. But that's only because you what? Believed me. Some of you would walk out. Some of you, after 45 minutes, would walk out. Some of you, after maybe an hour and a half, would walk out. Some of you would be here till that very two hours ended. And, and if you found it, you'd be like, yes. But it all depended. It would all depend on whether you believed me or not. That's why faith involves action so much. Because sometimes you've got to hold on and keep doing until the blessing comes. Sometimes you just got to be passionate, hold on until, wow, that promise comes true. In John chapter 8, how does, how does truth change my life? In John chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom. Why is truth so important? Because truth gives you freedom. For some reason, we are, in in America, we care about the truth. You know, a lot of other foreign countries don't care that much about the truth. In some other foreign countries, like, like, well, I spent a lot of time in Hawaii. Island culture, peace is more important than truth. Did you know that? In some Asian cultures... Peace is more important than the truth. I don't want to get into a public fight with you, so let's just kind of be nice to each other and, you know, that's it. There are some people I work with and you're from different cultures. I go, okay, so what did they really mean? You know, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to McDonald's or do you want to go to Lowry Steakhouse? And they go, oh, Lowry Steakhouse, um, that's a nice place. I go, well, where do you want to go? Oh, Lowry's Steakhouse is a nice place, but yet, where do you want to go? Have you ever been that polite? You know, truth. Truth is, it, 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 truth is supposed to set you free. In America, we just, we just assume, yeah, I love the truth because I'm an American. Do you? Because how much do you tell it? Truth has a lot of power to set you free. That's what, free from what? Verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Yikes. What's the freedom God wants to give you? Freedom from sin. We live in a world that hates the word sin. I grew up hating the word sin. I thought sin was what they, you know, like I said, when I looked at Christian people, they were backwaters people who burned witches at the stake. That's my view of Christians. My very first Bible's talk I went to, you know, the guy had a southern accent. I've told you this story before. He looked at us and he said, you know, we need to repent of sin. He put two syllables in the word sin. It was sin. And he smiled at all of us, looking at us, and I'm sitting there in my dorm room. I am never coming back into this room. It's, you, know, I was at, you know, I was up in Northern California. No one in Northern California talks like this and says, see yun. <laughs> this was my view. I go, this is, this is why I hate Christianity. Right here, right here. Uh, sit up. Bad, 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 bad. Run out the door. Sin, it's real. Sin enslaves you. That's one of even the qualities. That's like, if you want to know, is this sin or not, can you give it up? 
Is this sin or not? Does it just have a hold on you? Do you just keep doing it over and over and over again? Do you feel like, man, I got to stop this. It's sin. It's enslaving you. You feel the chains. What else does sin do? It doesn't make you free. Sin clouds our thinking, so we can't make good judgments. And we're trapped in the same cycle of bad decisions. That's what sin does. The anger, the distrust, the resentment, the lust, the appetite, anything. These things hold you and go, man, I just can't shake it. Well, if, you know, some things might be sin for one person, but not for you. Some things may be sin for you, but not for another person. But it's very important for you to go, what is chaining me? Because truth sets you free. That's why truth is so important. Jesus sets you free. Through his word, you go, wow, how do I know what is sin? Just look at the Bible. The Bible actually tells you what is sin. In Galatians chapter 5, they'll say the acts of the flesh are obvious, and it'll list a bunch of sins. And you go, well, that's what I don't like about the Bible. It's always telling me what I shouldn't do. Well, it's just telling you things that will hurt you. Things that cloud your thinking. Things that block you from being the person you always wanted to be. That's why it's great the teen camp theme was sabotage. Why? Because they just want to say, hey, Satan's out there to sabotage you. God's not out there to chain you. He wants to free you. That's why truth is important. Chapter 3, verse 19. Dave, is this one of those sin lessons? Here's the thing. The topic is the truth. I've been researching truth. And these are the scriptures connected to truth. In John chapter 3, verse 19. In John chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible reads this. It says, This is the verdict. Light has come into this world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Whoever does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Did you know God sees what you're doing, whether you think so or not? And just by by walking in the light, by just saying, this is who I am, that truth frees you up. Notice how a number of our teens said what they loved about teen camp was that they got to talk about things they don't normally disclose. Now, if you're a parent, you're like, hmm, what is that? talk to them afterwards. But for us who are not their parents, you go, wow, isn't that nice? Um, But I think here's the thing. There's a lot of freedom if you just can be authentic. Don't you love being with the people who love you for who you are? Satan wants to make you think that whatever you're struggling with is so dark, terrible, and horrible that no one would accept you. When really, if you just get open, the chains just kind of break off. But if you want to hold on to those things, you kind of avoid. Christians become very uncomfortable people when you're trying to hold on to sin. Right? If we're the right kind of Christians. We've not necessarily been the right kind of Christians in our fellowship sometimes. I'll just be honest with you. Because we don't really go, how are you doing? We usually go, how's it going? Okay, good. And you walk off. 
But it used to be, back in the day, we had an uncomfortable fellowship where we go, how are you doing? And your eyes didn't stop locking from the other person's eyes. You know, how are you doing? And you're like, you know, you want to look away. You're like, eh. You want to do good. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? You know, you throw it back. But that person would go, well, how are you really doing? Right? They'd ask that. How are you really doing? And you're like, We just got to be that way again. Just look at each other. Get deep. Dig a little bit. Spend time here after church. Dig a little bit. Can you do that? You go, why is that? First John chapter 3. Told you we're going to get there one day. And just for the sake of time, we're going to end with this passage. Two more passages in First John. Is that okay? Because I think this is a good practical for us to do. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it simply says this. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, truth and love are connected. I sit and ask people all the time, What do you want in a loving relationship? Most people will say, one of them up there is trust. How many of you want a loving relationship where there is no trust? No. You know, you don't want to marry someone. You know, why do you, you know, why do you want to marry her? Well, because I never know where she's coming from or what she's going to do next. You don't hear people say that. What were you attracted to by him? Because he's so smooth talking, I know he's lying about something. We don't have that on our checklist of dream person, right? Because you love each other in truth. Now, it says you love each other in action, too. This is an aside that I wanted to kind of throw out there. I like to stay on topic, but here's a little plug. You know, action matters, too. Because actions actually reveal truth. We need to be people who, are start, who really start to have that look in other people's eyes and say, how are you doing? And we need to be prepared to really follow up and work with the answer. There's a command in the Bible in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, go make disciples of all nations, right? It says, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But it also has the third command. Teach them to obey everything. Did you know that's a command? That every person in this room should be teaching someone to obey everything. Who are you teaching to obey these days? We're doing a little survey. I was trying to get a sense. I work with the leaders. Okay, I want you to put the names of the people that you feel like are in your group or associated with you. And I want you to write, who is, being, who is teaching those individuals to obey everything? I would say only... In the, this is only in East Cities, the English speakers. Only maybe 15 people out of the 100 so names had a name of someone who's teaching them to obey everything. Isn't that interesting? And it's very important to us to figure out who's teaching me to obey. But more importantly, who are you teaching to obey? The command isn't be taught to obey everything. The command is you love someone and say, I'm going to take you under my wing. 
The command is for you to look in this room and look someone in the eye and say, how are you doing? How are you really doing? And let's get together this week. That's what we should do every Sunday with someone. First John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, how do we love in truth? This is just what you want to understand. There are two ways that we love in truth. In chapter 1, verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. <coughs> that is one quality of loving in the truth, just telling people where you're really at. Has anyone ever confessed to you? Didn't you do you feel like that's a burden or do you feel like that's a privilege? Yeah, because, wow, you're considering me a friend enough to give me your heart in that way. That's part of loving. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he was saying, hey, keep watch with me. My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He just let them into his heart. So that's one way we love in the truth. Chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them, and this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Do you want to have love in your life? Do you want to have truth? How does truth change your life? Number one, Jesus is the truth, and it changes our life because we can be absolutely certain that God is a loving Father. He cares for us. He wants us to seek Him and find Him because Jesus resurrected from the dead. He brought truth into the world so we could know absolutely what the spiritual reality is. Isn't that awesome? So maybe if you don't have a strong faith, that could help your faith. Well, how else is Jesus the truth? He is the Word. He is the Word. And so the Word is truth. Stop doubting the promises. Stop compromising in your pursuit of the promise and say, gosh, I'm going to start really pursuing the promises of God. Well, what is that promise? Jesus says, if you go make disciples, baptize them, and then continue to teach them to obey. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who are you teaching in this room? Who are you getting eyeball to eyeball and saying, let's have a truth-filled relationship of authenticity of guidance and care you go well i need that in my relationship give it you'll get it and then what you're going to have is you're going to feel free free from sin doubt confusion it'll be party time when we come to the church we'll sit next to people you go why because you you want to sit by your friends You will spend time in the fellowship. You'll have lunch afterwards. You'll do all these things that you go, wow, this tastes good. And that will be the blessing. That will change your life because truth and love are connected. 
Let's love each other in action and in truth. You are dismissed. Have a great time in fellowship.